0: Welcome to the I'm in Love With That Song podcast, part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brad Page, and this time we're going to take another detour off of our usual path. Three things inspired me to change it up this episode. One of them was the death of Little Richard on May 9th. Little Richard is one of those pillars of rock and roll, an essential part of the foundation that all the music we love was built on. Another thing is that I recently finished a book called The History of Rock and Roll, Volume 1, by Ed Ward. Ed Ward is one of the greatest rock historians alive, and he's a brilliant writer. This book may be his finest work yet, and it was a great journey through the early years of rock history, so that got me thinking. And finally, this happens to be episode number 57, so I thought it would be fun to revisit the year 1957. Now, I've always been a 60s and 70s guy. That's where my favorite music comes from, and it's where I think rock was its most interesting and exciting. But we never would have gotten that music if it wasn't for the radicals, the revolutionaries, and rebels who laid the groundwork. Back in episode 50, we looked at the year 1965 as being one of the pivotal years in music history. But if you want to go back to the year where rock and roll really broke through, you got to consider 1957 as the watershed year. Of course, rock and roll had major moments before 1957. Elvis Presley made his debut in 54. Bill Haley also released Rock Around the Clock in 54. And of course, the sounds of blues and country had been converging for years before But 1957 was the year when rock and roll really hit its first peak, when the sheer quantity of great records and important milestones was almost overwhelming. So let's dive in, shall we? the rock and roll trio released their version of Train Kept a Rollin'. Soon to be a classic. The trio featured Johnny and Dorsey Burnett one of the many, maybe even the first, bands with two brothers who couldn't stand each other. The third member of the trio was guitarist Paul Burleson, one of the finest guitar players of his generation. Also released early in 1957 was Carl Perkins' Matchbox and one of my favorite Chuck Berry songs, You Can't Catch Me. New Jersey turned the Wee wee hours, I was rolling slow yeah, come up flat top, he was moving up with me Then come waving goodbye at a little old souped-up I put my foot in my tank and I began to roll Moaning siren towards the state patrol So I let out my wings and then I blew my horn Bye-bye, New Jersey, I become airborne Now you can't get me John Lennon would nick a line or two there and use them in Come Together, which would get him into some hot water with Chuck Berry. But that is a story for another time. On January 21st, 1957, Chuck Berry recorded School Days, the teenage national anthem. It hit the charts in April and stayed on the charts for 26 weeks. Chuck Berry was 30 years old, but his lyrics captured the teenage experience better than anyone. Ring, ring goes the bell. The cook the lunchroom's ready to sell. You're lucky if you can find a seat. You're fortunate if you have time to eat. Back in the classroom, open your books. The teacher don't know I mean she Soon as 3 o'clock rolls around you finally lay your burden down and buddy holly would release that'll be the day which charted for 22 weeks now sam cook had been strictly a gospel artist up until this point performing with the soul Stirrers. but in may of 57 he quit the soul Stirrers and headed to Los Angeles to start his career in pop. He would eventually release You Send Me, his first hit. Darling, you send me I know you send me Darling, you send me Honest you do, honest you do, honest you do we're going to pause for a quick break, and we'll be right back. So While Sam Cooke left gospel for the secular world, Richard Penniman, better known as Little Richard, was heading in the other direction. In October... In the middle of an Australian tour, Little Richard decided to renounce rock and roll and quit show business. He returned to the U.S. and enrolled in a Bible college. Lucy, not in sight. I asked my friends about her, but all that this was tight. Lucille, come back while you belong. Lucille by Little Richard. His vocals on that song are so great. The Five Royales were another group that switched from gospel to secular music, but they couldn't catch a break. Eventually, they had a minor hit with Think, which made it to number 66. Not exactly a smash hit, but it kept their career alive. Though largely forgotten now, the Five Royales recorded some of the best early rock and roll records, featuring Loman Pete Pauling's great guitar work. Here's Think. Hey. 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 James Brown would eventually release a version of Think and have a pretty big hit with it. There were two things aiding and abetting the expansion of this rock-and-roll music. One of them was the rapid growth of television. The other was a new format of radio, Top 40. In the early days, there wasn't much rock-and-roll to be found on TV, but that started to change first with the adventures of Ozzy and Harriet. Ozzy and Harriet Nelson were a real-life married couple who turned their family into a sitcom. Their sons, David and Ricky, were on the show too. And when Ricky Nelson turned 16, he wanted to make a rock and roll record. So Ozzy got him a record deal. I guess it's that easy when your dad is a TV star. And they let Ricky play the song on the show. Considering the show was broadcast across the country, it became a top 10 national hit. So, of course, they let Ricky play more songs on the show pretty frequently, and he performed along with his band, which featured one of the best guitarists of the era, James Burton. I'm walking, yes indeed, I'm talking for you and me, and I'm hoping that you come back to me. I'm lonely as I can be, and i And I'm hoping that you come back to me What you gonna do when the well runs dry You gonna run away and hide I'm gonna run right by your side For you pretty, baby? I'd even die I'm walking, yes, indeed I'm talking for you and me And I'm hoping that you come back to me James Burton was a hotshot guitar player who also played with Dale Hawkins, and it was Burton who came up with one of the greatest guitar riffs of all time, Suzy Q, which Dale Hawkins also released in 1957. In the summer of 1957, ABC TV added a new daily show to their lineup, a show that originated out of Philadelphia, American Bandstand, hosted by Dick Clark. It's almost impossible to overstate how important American Bandstand was in 1957. In the days before cell phones and the Internet, American Bandstand was the place for teenagers to connect with their culture, to see and hear what other teenagers were wearing, how they danced, and what they were listening to. And Dick Clark would often interview the teens on his show, And he was a sensitive interviewer. He wouldn't mock them or talk down to them. He made them feel like their feelings and their ideas mattered. And if you were a record company in 1957, getting one of your records played on Bandstand was like winning the lottery. It meant national exposure for your records. Bandstand could make a record into a hit across the country almost immediately without having to work the record radio station by radio station. Region by region. In the wake of American Bandstand's success, almost every major city had their own local copycat show. One of the greatest was DJ Doug Jocko Henderson's show called Jocko's Rocket Ship Show, that aired in the New York market. Them, babe. you kicked them real good too. I heard them holla out, "Child, about that best the kick of the other," which means once more the big rocket ship shows officially on its way, and this is the big Saturday. sound spectacular, Daddy, old Mami, one of the greatest people in the world who've jammed the big rocket. Like to say greetings, salutations, do Papa do, and how do you do? It? Big changes were happening in radio too, changes that would ripple all the way to today. Todd Stortz owned a handful of radio stations in the Midwest region. One night, while having drinks at a bar with one of his station managers, he noticed that even though the jukebox had a couple hundred songs on it, people kept playing the same songs over and over. Even at the end of the night, when the crowd went home and the waitresses began cleaning up for the night, The girls would play the same songs on the jukebox, even though they'd been listening to those same songs all night. Stortz figured that there was probably about 40 songs that they kept playing over and over, inspiring him to create the radio format we all know as Top 40. He first implemented this new format on K.O.W.H. in Omaha, and it was successful enough that he started rolling it out across more of his stations. And pretty soon, other stations across the country started airing their own versions of this Top 40 format. Some DJs hated it because it took away their independence, and in some cases, took away their payola money. But station management loved it because it was more efficient, and record companies loved it, because you could get your record added to dozens of stations all at once. Oh Well, the bless of my soul, what's wrong with me? I'm itching like a man on a fuzzy tree. My friends say I'm acting wild as a bug. I'm in love. I'm all shook up. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Yeah. My shaking my knees are... The summer of 57 was the summer of rock and roll. Elvis with All Shook Up, Little Richard with Keep A-Knockin', both Bye Bye Love and Wake Up Little Susie by the Everly Brothers. Fats Domino had I'm Walkin', and Buddy Holly and the Crickets had That'll Be the Day. There was The Platters with I'm Sorry. So many classics were spun for the first time that summer. 1957 was also a banner year for one of the great songwriting teams, Jerry Lieber and Mike Stoller. They signed an A&R and production deal at Atlantic Records and had great success with acts like the Coasters. Lieber and Stoller were also asked to write songs for the next Elvis movie, Jailhouse Rock. Here's the Coasters singing a Lieber and Stoller song, Youngblood, one of my favorites. I took one look and I was fractured. Oh, oh. I tried to walk but I was lame. Oh, oh. I tried to talk but I just stuttered. Oh, oh. Why, what's your, name? Your name? <laughs> what's your name? What's your name? What's your name? Yonder. In September of 57, Sun Records released an instrumental called Raunchy by Bill Justice. A year later, when George Harrison was auditioning for John Lennon and Paul McCartney, it was Harrison's performance of Raunchy that got him the gig as lead guitarist for the Beatles. As the summer wound down and the kids returned to school, Chuck Berry continued his winning streak with the release of rock and roll music. As Ed Ward put it in his book, this song was a celebration of music's central place in teenage life, a declaration of independence, and a performance like Chuck Berry had never given before. too early for a Congo, so keep, keep rocking rockin that piano, so I can hear some of that rock and roll music, any old way you choose it, it's got a backbeat, you can't lose it, any old time you use it, it's got to be rock and roll music, if you want to dance with me, if you. Rock and roll music reached its first peak in 1957. By 1958, things started to slip away. Elvis was drafted into the Army and reported for duty in March. Jerry Lee Lewis's career imploded when it was revealed that he had married his 13-year-old cousin and hadn't even bothered to finish divorcing his previous wife. The adults at the record companies, TV stations, and on radio started to promote more conservative acts a more tame, more safe version of rock and roll by white singers like Fabian, Paul Anka, and Frankie Avalon. In early 1959, Buddy Holly, Richie Valens, and the Big Bopper would die in that famous plane crash the day the music died. And by the end of the year, the first cases against Paola started taking shape. The future of rock and roll looked a little bleak heading into the 1960s, But that would change, too. Motown, the Beatles, and the British invasion, they were right around the corner. Thanks for joining me here in the Wayback Machine as we took a look at 1957. That was fun, I hope. As I mentioned, it was Ed Ward's book, The History of Rock and Roll, Volume 1, that got me thinking about all of this in the first place. And I really love that book. We're all spending a lot more time at home these days, so if you're looking for a good book to read, I really recommend this one. Volume two is out now. I got to pick that one up soon. Be sure that you pour a drink or tip your hat to Little Richard. He was so important, just fundamental to the music that we all love. And I would love it if you'd leave me some feedback or write a review or just post a comment. You can find me on Facebook. Just search for the I'm in love with that song podcast. Find me on Twitter at PopStaffTweets. And you can find the website. At lovethatsongpodcast.com, and while you're at it, check out the other great podcasts on the Pantheon Podcast Network. There's no shortage of great rock podcasts out there to listen to. I'll be back in two weeks with another episode of the I'm in Love with That Song podcast. Until then, I'll be here in the basement studio where the freezer is full of Ben and Jerry's, the fridge is stocked with Mountain Dew, and social distancing is always enforced. Like little Richard said, you can keep a knocking, but you can't come in.